Space. That little Happy graphic was pretty sweet, Zach. Tuesday. Good evening, everybody. Oh, loving the intros, man. What's up, boys? Getting better and better every week. <clears throat> Just another Tuesday. Mm. Professional. Yeah, Whose lawn is that in the doing? background? Let's see. We got the grass, the wisps going on in the background. A little wispy Holy grass. Man, Holy, is that your yard? Looks a little dupe. No, well. sir. Uh, I figured <laughs> with that's that. uh, that's unstriped territory right there. <laughs> uh, Yours looks pretty green, though. It is looks pretty like, green. Very green. Looks like it was about five inches long, so I was thinking it was yours. <laughs> we got to keep it a little shorter now with Roscoe. There you go. You get lost in there. Stickling the wiener dog. <laughs> nice. Well, hey, uh, so it looks like LTZ actually made it in first. He said he'd been sitting in chat for about five days, I think he said. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, he right. figured it out. He figured out how to get in here. So that's great. Right. Yeah, he's just yeah. probably been, he's just been waiting since last week. <laughs> as soon as the notice went up, he's in. <laughs> that's crazy. So Is shout out to them. Drunk yeah, guy, Papa Moe's low. How you guys doing? I like this one's covered in snow right now. Is everybody else is covered in snow? You are. Oh man. Yeah. No man. We haven't gotten we haven't gotten anything. We've been cold, but no precipitation for us. We've not had any snow at all all winter long. What? Not one bit wow. of snow. Mm. Yep. That's probably. I've had a dusting once or twice, but that's about it. Yeah. 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 We got yeah, about we a have. quarter of an inch there day. That's about it. I mean, three inches, quarter of an inch, about the same. So, say, you know, March can bring some crazy weather, though, sometimes. You know, I've had snow in April, so you never know. Mm. Yeah, Utah we, has one of the wettest winters in like 10 years or something. Our ski resorts have like 35 feet of snow wow. right now up in them. So, it's crazy. Hopefully, folks are taking advantage of the slopes. Oh, That's yeah. Awesome. Tons of people. When I go to the airports, it's like just full of people carrying their skis around in the bags and stuff so <laughs> everybody's coming to and fro well speaking of winter spring is only uh well it's less than uh less than two months away i think it's like 45 ish yeah. days away or something like that so maybe Seven about a month weeks. and a half left to go yeah tomorrow's um, tomorrow's february so i know you guys uh everybody thinking about uh their game plan for this spring in the live chat you know let it let us know uh you know you're working it out you still you know times the clock's ticking but uh yeah. As far as tonight goes, this is a Keep Off the Grass, episode 103. Uh, sitting down with Ambrosia, Ambrosio, robots. Ambrosio, but first things yeah. first. Let's, uh, let's all raise our glasses. Grab a glass. Grab Keep a glass. Grab off the grass. <sighs> nice. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Good stuff. I like to right. zoom in there, man. Nice. <laughs> 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 Got to get the action shots there. Thank you. Yeah. So we have uh, Stacy from Ambrosio Robots joining us. Um, Stacy, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you being here, and glad you, glad you came on. But <laughs> pleasure to be here. So, yeah, so tell us a little bit about uh, everybody likes to know who you are, what do you do in the company, and then everybody loves a good backstory. So tell us a little bit about Ambrosio and where it started and where you guys are headed. 
So Ambrosio is actually uh, one of the products that we import through a company called Max Distributing based out of uh, Oregon City, Oregon, which is just a little bit out of Portland. Um, Max is a, a subsidiary of a company that some of you may know, BCS America. Um, BCS mm-hmm. sells two-wheel walk-behind tractors, pretty popular, Italian-made, high high quality. Ambrosio is another, another product that um, we approached the manufacturer about four years ago to see if uh, there's an opportunity for us to import their robotic lawnmowers and history, you know, as it is, they, they agreed, we agreed, and we became partners in, in, uh, in importing the robotic mowers that they manufacture into the U S. Um, so I, I work for the company. My historical position has been mostly technical, but uh, a few months ago, I, I aspired to the lead of uh, sales and, technical manager for North America. So my role, I'm, I'm working with our dealers, with our distributors and, and uh, the salespeople that we have working for us and kind of really helping to promote the product and build relationships and, and train people. So they understand how the robots work and, and what they're designed to do and how to, how to best install them and service them and spec them out for a given lawn. Um, and so that's really my my role today is I, I kind of lead the sales and the technical departments for the company. Um, Ambrosio, our company, Max Distributing, we import Brojo for all of North America. So if it's sold through Canada or the U.S., um, it, it's through our distributorship, our importing. Um, Ambrosio is actually manufactured by a company in Italy called Zacchetti. And Zacchetti, unlike a lot of the, like the competitive brands, um, Zacchetti is a robotics and automation company. So they, they specialize in building industrial automation, uh, medical, medical equipment, automation controls, software, and, you know, all the elements and components that go along with building that type of, of equipment. And, and so, uh, the robotic mowers came to be about 25 years ago. Um, they really kind of broke through. And are designing some really, really good product. And, you know, I think that you'll see by, as we go through the show tonight, that there's some really attractive looking product, but under the, you know, the veneer on the outside, the inside of the robots are actually uh, very well built, high quality, um, you know, just something that I think is, a, is above the cut. And hopefully you'll see that. And as we progress forward and we'll talk about some of the models and some of the benefits and the features that, to kind of make Ambrosio what it is. So the design, it's so it's Italian design by that that robotics company. Correct. For them, and then they they sell it all out in Europe or whatever. But then you guys are the sole kind of distributor here for the North America, and here it's manufactured out of a plant in Oregon. Is that no, right? no, no, no. So it's all manuf- Actually, it's all manufactured in Italy in a oh, okay. uh, area, the Tuscany area of Italy. There's a town called Arezzo. And they have their production facilities there. And so all the, all the Ambrosio product that, that is manufactured worldwide is manufactured in this community in Italy. Okay. And, uh, you know, we, we found in our relationship and our history with the BCS product um, that Italian-made product is just very, very good engineering. And so um, it's one of the reasons why we took on the Ambrosio product and why we, we wanted to partner with them is just simply because of the reputation of high quality, because that's what our other products are known for. And uh, it's 
kind of unknown to to many, but in in the northern part of Italy, there's quite a bit of uh, of manufacturing that happens in you know products that are sold all throughout the world, but they generally have a, a reputation of very very solid quality. Okay, yeah. awesome. Now, do you so, guys? Uh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm just curious. So now, when it comes to like the actual. You know, so in my mind, you know, this is, I mean, I'm excited you're here because this is like, this is super cool. We have like a little, uh, a little Roomba robot vacuum. What uh, do you guys do kind of the programming side or how does that kind of work as far as how it kind of finds its way? You know, who, who does that kind of, is it, does it learn your backyard or whatever's shape or, or how does it kind of find its little path? Yeah. So the robots themselves are designed to be fully autonomous. So what typically happens in, in the, the, the more common way that they're installed is that they actually have a, a guide wire similar to an invisible duct fence. And so that, that guide wire is what really defines the, uh, the, the, the outer boundary of the, the robot's working area. And then, you know, inside of that, that working area, the robot then kind of manages, uh, in some cases, it's random, 100% random, depending upon the model. And with other models, it's what I call a kind of a guided randomness. Like, okay, we see this, the enhanced smart cutting on, on the screen right now. So what that technology does is it takes and implements GPS positioning into the equation where once the smart cut is, is in the equation, what happens is as the robot begins to work for the first time, it, it begins to build uh, a map of your yard. So picture a piece of graph paper of sorts over your yard. In every approximately one and a half to two square meter area, that robot will make a geo map of that position. So it's lat longitude data for that particular little quadrant. And it'll build this map throughout your whole entire yard. And then as the robot builds that map and it gets completed, then it relies less on a random pattern and more on a, on a guided uh, way to operate. So by that, I mean, it will, it, it'll prioritize and keep track of the areas, those little quadrants where it's worked in the last, you know, two, three working cycles and prioritize areas where it hasn't been over areas where it has been. So it becomes a lot more efficient, more consistent. Hmm. And overall the, you know, the quality of the cut just improves and improves and improves over time. Hmm. So it's got like a random like pattern that's not truly random because it's kind of learning which areas will need to be cut next most Correct. likely. So to kind I, of make sure you're not wasting time going to spots you already hit. Yeah, I call randomness. it a kind of a I call it a kind of a guided randomness. I mean it's still somewhat random because when it reaches, you know, a particular quadrant, it you don't know if it's gonna go left, right, turn and go, you know, back left, back right. It that direction that it takes once it hits that quadrant, it could be in any direction. So that's the, the randomness of it. But but where it stops as it's traveling is where the guided part goes. And it says, okay, I'm right here today and I'm mowing. And tomorrow I come to that same spot. Well, I'm probably not going to stick around in that spot that I was just at yesterday. And maybe mm -hmm. two or three spots over, I haven't been in the last couple of days. So it's going to try and find those spots instead. Until okay. it, you know, works two to three cycles and then it starts all over again. It doesn't erase the map that it's built, yeah. but it recycles the quadrants where it's been as it, as it mows other areas. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my big questions was, um, you know, is it using a GPS and is it using an AI interface to do that? So that 
you know, last slide and your explanation kind of cleared that up for me because I was, I'm very interested in, you know, the emergence of AI and all sorts of technologies. I mean, we've been hearing a lot about that, you know, in, right. in the media recently with, you know, chat GPT and all these other different things. So um, it's kind of interesting to see all of the different applications of AI, I guess, really throughout our entire lives. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so this is just another way that it's, it's using an artificial intelligence to learn. Um, so long as it's, I'm just, I, I want to know, uh, when are well, we going to have a sentient uh, <laughs> robotic lawnmower? That's what I want to know. Yeah, one that can hit the, the fence line too and get all the trimming done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, there, there's you know there's people that are trying to make those and and there's a there's prototypes out there on the market, but the the challenges that come into play are it's great to have a robot that can do all these functions, but the the consideration has to be given for safety also because if you've got a robot that's fully automated it's unsupervised all the time, you, you create potential risks for people or pets or sure. property when you've got these external, you know, cutting mechanisms that, that operate autonomously and without supervision. Mm -hmm. And so there's just a tremendous amount of, of thought that has to go into that safety that has to be considered and, you know, measures that have to be incorporated into the, the mechanics and into the, the software that drives the things to mitigate or reduce the likelihood that the robot's going to be in a position or in a scenario where it's going to hurt a person, a pet, property, something like that. Yeah. And so the technology is definitely, you know, there, there's technology working towards that endeavor, but that, that fully autonomous unattended operation creates those complexities of safety and concern for primarily for consumers, people oh, that course, yeah. wouldn't know about the, the product and, you know, just, it, 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 it's a potential danger. So manufacturers are kind of approaching that cautiously. So, so how does it, how does it generally work? Is it, is it saying like, okay, it's, um, you know, say I cut the grass on Saturdays, right? Is it, um, okay, today I'm going to mow. So I'm going to set the robot to go. Um, or is it just kind of, I mean, you had mentioned like, you know, individual days, are you saying that, uh, is that kind of how the program is written that it'll go out, you know, over the course of a couple of days and mow? Uh, or does it, do you have the ability to say, okay, well, it's Saturday, I want the grass cut and I'm going to hit start and it's going to do it kind of start to finish or how does that work? Out? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. And probably one of the most, um, I guess, uh, mysteries of robotic lawnmowers is the, the, the prime, uh, a, approach to these ro to robotic mowers is they're really designed to work every day. So it's not come out once a week or twice a week and main and cut your yard, like cut everything all, you know, at, at one time, they're really designed to come out every day and work enough every day to be able to manage and maintain the size of the, of the lawn, the, the mobile area of the lawn that, that they're installed. So here's an example. I've got a, about a 7,000 square foot lawn, at my home and I have a, a robot and my robot it is about the right size for my lawn. Um, I have a L15 and so I program my robot in the summertime to come out and work a little bit every day, probably about an hour and a half every day. And that's enough for my lawn. So um, it, it manages the lawn. The, the, the beauty of it is, is that the lawn always looks the same. It's never mm -hmm. short. It's never tall. It's always the same height. And so in the, you know, as, so I, I programmed it based on the size of my lawn to estimated, you know, 
based on some some guidance that's provided in the in the, the documentation for each model that based on this size of property or this size of co- mowing area the robot needs to work a certain amount of time every day and so you just take that into into you know consideration and then you program the robot accordingly now that doesn't mean that say you're at home uh, on the weekends and you just don't want the thing out working on a Saturday when your kids or your, you know, you're going to be out enjoying your, your lawn. You can tell it just not work to not work on Saturday. You can program that. You just have to account for that in the schedule to maybe allow a little bit more time on the other days where it is working. Gotcha. Um, so they don't ever take off all that much all at once because no. they're just kind of maintaining this height generally. So each day they go out, you don't, you don't necessarily see, uneven grass what what's the what's the range for height of cut on these things can you adjust how tall your grass is i'm sure like uh you know me or Oli with tall fescue i don't know how well these would work you know if you're keeping it at four you know four inches or something like that in the summertime yeah the uh, the typical models and there there's a model in particular that we actually call the high cut that is is different than than most of the other robots so we've got one called an L60 that will do about a 1.7. And that's a fully unattended robot. You put it in the lawn. You tell it to start working. Do you have a works. picture of that one, Zach? Do you know which one's the L60? Yeah. Is that let's, the red Lamborghini-looking one? We'll, let's go into uh, all those all those after <laughs> yeah. uh, after this discussion. We'll go yeah, into okay. all of them. So then all of the other models range anywhere from about 1.5, 1.6 up to – 2.7, 2.8, 2.9 within that range, um, and that that's not that's not good for for a lot of types of grass. You know, as an example, Saint Augustine, that's pretty predominant down in in southern Florida. Um, that's a different kind of a grass that needs to be cut at a at a higher higher um, cut height, or you'll you'll kill the grass. And so there's a robot that that we we worked with the factory to design specifically for that type of grass or other grasses that need that higher cut to really have a, a maximum cut height of, I believe it's 3.3.7 or 3.8 inches. So you're at almost four inches as your, as your maximum height. And you can go down lower than that if you want to, but, but that maximum height um, is important on, on the grasses where it has to be taller or you'll kill the grass. And so, um, so is there, um, is, is there like a, uh... Is there suction that's being created when um, it's mowing, or is it just kind of um, kind of spinning? Like, I mean, is there like a like a suction to suck the grass up to you know get a good cut, or like you know, I know that's like how you know we're looking at regular rotary mowers. You know, that's kind of like a factor. I mean, is that yeah. a factor in um, to some, robot? Yeah, to some extent, that that is. Um, there's different styles of blades. There's actually uh, a couple different styles of the of robotic of, of blades that we use in the ambrosio product um so that there's one blade that's a style that's a star-shaped blade it's a stainless steel uh, just looks like a four-point star and and as that spins it does create some sort of a vortex underneath the robot okay and so that'll do some some of that lifting for you but then if you were to look at the underside of each of the robots there's also around the blade there's a series of combs and a lot of times depending upon the model there's combs that are on the outer edges of the robot too that as the robot passes over the grass those those combs sort of lift up the grass. Mm. And so as the, as the robot approaches, those combs are sort of, of 
picking it up a little bit. And then that blade is, is hitting the, just the top edges of the, of the blade of grass. Now, did those combs also um, pick up any obstructions? Like say, you know, I got kids leaving, you know, baseballs or, uh, you know, bouncy balls sometimes, you know, in the grass. Um, is it picking up on obstructions and cutting around that? Or is it, you know, stopping and avoiding that area? So you can say, oh, the grass is higher over there. And let me go see what's over there. Oh, it's a Easter egg. Yeah, it, it really depends on on the what that object is. So obviously, if it's something that's fairly small that could go underneath the combs, it's gonna it's gonna get under the under the blade and potentially come in contact with the blade, just like a typical lawnmower would. If it's a little bit bigger object, something a little bit more solid, then the 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 sensors of the robot tend to kick in. So um, they all have what's called a bump sensor. And that that bump sensor is basically that if there's a contact made on that robot on that on that bumper, it triggers the robot to stop, turn and go the other direction or, you know, change direction to to get away from whatever that object is. If it's an object that maybe does. (laughs) Sorry. I was waiting on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you were just waiting for the right moment, huh? Yeah, waiting for the right moment for that. <laughs> no, because that's one of my big things. I saw somebody in the chat had mentioned, uh, you know, like dog poop, right? Like Yeah. Dog, well. And, uh, you know, uh, as much as I try to stay on top of it, you know, sometimes I'm out there mowing and it's like, oh, I ran over. I ran over one, you know? Well, it'll run over it. Just like, yeah. it, you know, if you have a Roomba and you have dogs that leave little little piles behind, the same thing's going to happen. I mean, something like that, it's it's going to be soft enough and, you know, pliable enough that the robots, it's going to hit it and mm. get underneath it. And it, you know, could spread around. It'll spread the fertilizer, um, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that happens. That happens. But, you know, it, it, with objects that are maybe a little bit not quite large enough to hit the bump sensor, but do cause an anomaly in how the robot is moving. That's like where the, or something. The, something that, that, that might like if, if it, if it's a enough to where it, uh, hot, like a, like a little hot car. Yeah. Something small, you know, where it wouldn't necessarily bump into it, but, you know, like a little plastic dinosaur. Yeah. I think it I would roll know. right over something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not foolproof by any means, but if it hits um, something hard on the blade, does it sense that like say a rock or something like, does it, does it stop if it, if it's something, hits the blade it doesn't sense that at all it'll sense a change in the in the um the effort on the blade motor so that's one of the ways that it that it monitors and adjusts the blade speed itself is it that if there's enough of a change there's a couple things that i could say about that i'll I'll finish a point on the on the objects so artificial intelligence will kick in that, that if it's an object that maybe doesn't hit the bump sensors Mm-hmm. but causes enough of an anomaly where it slows the robot down or causes the robot to maybe kind of get stopped on one side, but the other side keeps going. Well, it uses the other sensors inside of the robot to determine if, hey, maybe I, I can't really tell that I hit something or that there's an object that, that might be impeding my path. So it'll it'll look for changes in the wheel speed from on one wheel versus the other in, in a sudden way. So if it detects that, you know, say you hit an object and the, it causes the left wheel to sort of slow down, but the right wheel keeps this, the same speed it's been going, it'll, it'll trigger what's called a, a smart bump and it'll treat it like a physical bump and it'll stop the robot, have it change direction, go back and, and go in a direction away from whatever that was. Hmm. 
So Does the blade continue to spin during that time. It, it, it depends on on the severity of that event. In some cases, it will. In some cases, it won't. Okay. Okay. And so it just really depends on the nature of, of what caused it at that moment in time to, to make that change. Okay. So it sounds like it has that mechanism in place for something, you know, if it were to run over something or something. So that's cool. That's interesting. Or like, so yeah. we, we can um, go. So I think a lot of the questions that we're, um, a lot of the stuff we're talking about right now is some stuff he put together in a slide. Um, we, we could go uh, through these real quick. Um, just a couple of the points you were talking yeah. about about the benefits of uh, robot mowers. And then we could get into going through all your models. Cause I really want to show off all these models because honestly, sure. these, the, the look of these badass, I mean, badass is all I can say. They're all just <laughs> sexy looking little machines. Like they're, yeah. they're some really neat design. So that's I, what we, the Italians we, are known for. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we kind of went over like, you know, um, you know, mowing, mowing, constantly mowing you know it's definitely um good for uh the grass um you know we know that uh as long as we have adequate water and you know conditions are right we definitely all yeah. try to mow as much as we can to strengthen our turf um but uh so, so, so they're very so they're quiet so like like how quiet is quiet it would be hard pressed for you under normal outside just ambient noises around you you got birds chirping around you maybe you're on a road where maybe have cars drive by every now and then you would barely notice barely if at all notice the the sound of the blade once in a while if it hits an area where maybe the grass is a little taller you might just hear a quick zing sound like you know that okay it there was a little bit of grass there that it worked a little bit harder on and it's momentarily um, the loudest i've ever heard my robot uh, that I have here in my home is when I hit a little twig or something that falls out of a, you know, breaks off of one of the trees in my yard. Once in a while, it'll hit one of those and you hear it, but I mean, it, it's, it's a minor, minor, minor thing, but the blade will hit it and the blade will, you know, kick it off or cut it up a little bit if it's small enough. And, um, but they're really almost imperceptible. Most people, when we do like a show or something like that, or we're doing demos um, and actually running the robot with the blade on they're they have to really stop and listen because they it, it's very hard to hear in most, most um, conditions. That's yeah. fascinating. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, real quick. Somebody just asked in the chat um, if they can, if they can be run every day, do the models mow okay when it's wet and raining without clogging? And that was one of the other questions that I had. Is there like a <laughs> moisture a sensor where it'll kind of venture out into the lawn and say, Oh, it's too wet. Or, or is there some sort of interface with the, um, AI where it's uh, receiving weather data from a weather service or how, how do you guys tackle that? Yeah. Well, I live in the Pacific Northwest and personally myself, I live in the state of Washington and we're known as the evergreen state, but we call us the ever wet state because it, it rains all the time in the, in, you know, good part of the year. Um, so I, I have experience with that directly. Um, so all of the Ambrosio product have, what's called a, just a, a simple rain sensor. So two little probes that sit on the top of the, of the robot and it's basically a switch. So that switch is normally open when there's no rain, but as soon as there's enough moisture to make the, to beat enough moisture to, to be able to make those contacts short out, it says, Hey, there's rain. Now that could be caused by a sprinkler. It could be caused by, you know, any, anything that would have caused water to actually get on those probes but it's designed for rain. And then the homeowner has the ability to determine what the robot does when rain is detected. So 
you can either program the robot to either stay in the station or go back to the station if that rain sensor is triggered. And then what does it do when it's in the station at that point in time? You can set a delay where the robot will, in the, a minimum delay is two hours. So at minimum, if you set it as a delay, the robot will wait two hours before it comes out and checks again. And if it still triggers the rain sensor, then it, 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 it'll go back to the station or stay in the station until another two hours has elapsed. The other setting that you can have is to wait until the next cycle. So you have a schedule, you define the times of day that the robot can work. So if it detects rain, you could tell it to wait until the next mowing cycle in order mm. for it to come back out and try again. The third option okay. is just have it ignore the rain sensor altogether and come out rain or shine. Um, okay. In in those conditions where, you know, there's dew in the grass in the morning and in the evenings, you know, that happens. And so just like a traditional, a traditional mower, they're going to, over time, accumulate some, some grass debris underneath that will from time to time have to be, you know, the robot flipped over and cleaned out. The frequency of that just really depends on the conditions. Hmm. Um, you know, around here, I don't, I don't do it too often, but I also don't have my robot go out when it's raining. So it, uh, but, but it's a feature that all of the Ambrosio product has. So when they're not, it's, it's more of a groomer. I guess would be the word because it keeps it maintained. Yeah. So what do you do whenever you first get it? If the turf is already tall, you know, what do you do to, you know, get things started? The, the general recommendation is uh, prior to the robot first going into use that very first time it comes out is to get the grass cut to an, no more than a half an inch taller excuse me, the, what the finished cut height will be that the robot maintains it at. So if you set your robot to, to be at like 2.8 inches, you're going to want it to be not much more than three, three and a quarter inches tall at that point in time. So at that, that very, very beginning, it's important that you, you, you do have the grass cut reasonably close to the level that, that the mower will maintain at. So when we have in, uh, a professional installer, that's one of the things that, that they talk about if they're, if they're approaching the, an install correctly is that they communicate that to the homeowner that says, hey, when we come out, we do this installation, the grass will need to have been cut within the last few days in order for it to really be able to, to hit the ground running and, and then establish itself and, and then begin to maintain your lawn. And some installers will, you know, they'll, determine and set the expectation with the homeowner who's going to do that are you going to do it homeowner before we get here and have that service already performed or do it yourself or is that something that you want us to do that that time as part of the installation to come out and do that last cut for you Hmm. yeah awesome okay so um so as far as them being space savers and like when they're not working, they self dock in their charging stations um, yeah. outside in the lawn. So their charging stations are under shelter then, correct? They, they, they don't have to be. Some people choose to do that. So I've, I've got a, uh, my robot, I've never had it in a shelter. It's, it's out right on the edge of my lawn. It's been out there for almost four, actually close to four years now, rain or shine. My, my, my robot and the charger are outside all the time. 
And so that's that's just my choice. The charger doesn't have to be covered. Although so people like that, that way, where they're kind of yeah. weather weather resistant or whatever. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. That's cool. That's good to know. Yeah. But there are some pretty cool designs of of the of garages that people that people have either come up with on their own and uh, pretty much all robotic manufacturers will will have a dock for each model that they sell. I'm sorry, a garage for each model that they sell, including Ambrosio. And but we've also there's people that we know that have built you know some pretty elaborate little little dog houses I call them around the robot mower that that are designed to match the you know the the architecture of their home, the color patterns. If you know, I've seen people build them out of you know Riverstone, build some pretty pretty nice. Uh, little garages for the robot and just, you know, some very unique ways. They don't so have you, to be covered. You guys up. have a, a little, you guys make a little garage for the Ambrosio? All of the models that, that we, we import with limited exception, there is a garage option available for them. They look like little, like mini Ferrari garages or something. Yeah. They, I mean, yeah. Kind of like a little car. They look like a car. Sass them up a bit. Yeah. They, they're, they're pretty sleek in their design. I mean, they, they match the, I'll call it the motif of the, of the robot. So Sweet. as an example, you've got the, there's an L250 model. It's the red model that looks kind of yeah. like a, a nice Italian sports car. Mm -hmm. So the cover for that is, is actually a truly enclosed cover that's, that's red and it's kind of contoured the same way as the, there it is. That's, that's, that's the best robot I think going for, like an old for its capability. I, I like the L400. I like the L400i. It looks like a Pagani Wyra. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like all carbon fiber with gold <laughs> um so we kind of went over the safety of it um how they automatically stop um which yeah. that's definitely got to be somebody's concern so actually here back to that though okay is there a uh something with theft like what 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 keeps somebody from running over and grabbing my robot and running away yeah, this is a that's a really important question, and you know these robots aren't aren't cheap. Okay, that's that's the best way to put it. Is that people that are that are installing a, a, a robotic lawnmower are going to be into it for for some bank. So you don't want it to walk away or or get taken away from the lawn. So um, the models that that we sell that have what's called a, a connect module. ZCS Connect that that incorporates GPS and cellular communication into it. Any model that, and most of them have that technology. Any model that that has that 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 Connect module inside of it has the ability to have what's called a geofence. So basically, you get the robot established in your lawn. You put the robot kind of in the center point of your lawn. You go to a to a particular setting on on the app. And you enable geofence, and then you use your finger to make the circle, you know, a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller around your property. And then once that geofence is enabled, if the robot leaves that that circle parameter around your property based on the geo coordinates, the latitude and longitude settings, if it leaves that area, the robot will brick itself. I mean, it'll shut mm -hmm. off, and there's nothing that you can do to turn it back on. Unless the homeowner is the one who disables it because the homeowner's got that robot on their phone and the homeowner's the one that sets that pin, the homeowner's the only one that can disable it. Okay. And so what happens at that point in time, it, I, I say that it shuts it down and bricks it. It does that, except it leaves enough on to be able to keep that GPS positioning uh, active and to send notifications to that homeowner where that robot is every, every so often. And I know of about a dozen 
personally I know of about of a dozen robots, Ambrosio robots in particular, that have been stolen. A hundred percent of them have been recovered. A hundred percent. Because it's pretty well, easy cool. if you're yeah, if your robot disappears and you call the police. And the police say, well, how do we know where it's at? Well, you can try it on your phone. We know yeah. it's right here in this guy's yard. And so they're a little bit more active in wanting to pursue that because you can actually show them where the thing is. That's cool. And, yeah. yeah. And they're so, useless too. So people aren't really going to like, I mean, they can't sell it or anything at that point because people that would, would know. Yeah. That's correct. And, and it's, it's possible to temporarily unlock that geofence, but only by an authorized service center. And then they can disable that geofence for service purposes. Cause oftentimes a, you know, a homeowner will bring the robot in like for a winter service to have it cleaned and, mm. you know, everything checked out and they'll forget to turn off the geofence when they bring it to the dealership. And so the dealer says, I, I can't get into this robot. I can't do anything with it. So there's a way that they can disable the geofence, but that disabling only lasts for 15 minutes. So once that 15 minutes transpires, then that geofence turns back on. Hmm. Okay. And so it's a way for the dealer to kind of, you know, give them a way to work on a robot that without having to have the consumer come back and unlock it, but in such a way that, a random person couldn't just bring a robot to somebody because they stole it yeah. to a dealer and have the dealer unlock it. Now they've got a working robot that would, that would counter counterproductive to the whole idea of the geofence. So setting cool. up the uh, geofence and, you know, just setting the whole, the whole yeah, thing. Like using that wire to create your perimeter and stuff. Like what's the uh, setup kind of, do you guys have technicians that come out and kind of do that for you or what's the process for getting your backyard mapped out for it? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple approaches to that. There are some people that like to do it yourself. So, I mean, it, it's doable if you've got some level of skill and you, you have some knowledge in, you know, you can read an owner's manual and you can follow instructions and you can use a tape measure and, you know, follow some guidelines that are, that are prescribed in the owner's manual. Um, we, we prefer that, a robot be professionally installed. I mean, look at you're spending, you know, a couple thousand dollars on a robot. The last thing you want to do is get this robot on your property, install it yourself, and then have a problem and not really know why it has the problem and what to do about sure. it. Right. So we recommend that a professional installer would, would really be the one that, that does that for you. They'd come out and they'd put the wire in the ground. They'd program it. They'd test it. They'd set the schedule up. They would do all those things for you as, you know, part of that installation process. And at the same time, they're going to, you know, teach the homeowner how download the app for the homeowner. They're going to teach the homeowner how to go in and homeowner, how to go in and maybe change the settings. The schedule might have to be adjusted, you know, seasonally, you know, in the, in the early part of the spring and summer grass is going to grow faster. So you might want to have a schedule that, you know, really for those high growth times, but then you might want to have a schedule that is for those lower growth times where the robot doesn't need to come out and work every day like it would in the high growth times. Hmm. Um, okay. So you so, guys have an app that has all that programming and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Can you guys, yeah. um, can you uh, direct it? Can you drive it on, on your phone or is that something you guys are working on? Is yeah. turning like a little robot uh, RC mower? We do that all the time. Yeah, all the time. So that that's a cool thing about it is if if the homeowner wants to, they can there there's a very specific part of the app where they go in and they basically enable the drive feature and then 
it'll still not go outside of the perimeter based on where that wire boundary is, but they can drive it around anywhere they want inside of that, that partition. We use That's that cool. all the time for, for demos or Sweet. trade shows or something like that. So it's, it's actually a pretty neat feature. If you had to clean up a corner, you can go clean up a corner. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. You could. Your Absolutely. Hitting them flower yeah. beds and whatnot. Yeah. It's about so, like uh, your, uh, about like your robot pool vat. If it misses a place, you can go take and drive it over a little spot or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Is that common across the industry for robot mowers or is that something unique that you guys uh, offer? I, I can't say that it's, that it's super common. Um, so I guess I, I don't, I can't really speak to every other brand, but some, some can do that. Some can't. Okay. It just really depends on, on the manufacturer and, and what their specific software and the model. Some manufacturers mm. may have the ability on certain models, but not on others. And okay. with our, with our product, it's, it's across the board. Every robot you can drive with the app. Sweet. So hey, I kind of want. We actually mess with each other. When, models. <laughs> we, oh. Just tell you tell you a story. We actually mess with each other. Like if we've got our fellow workers together, somebody's trying to show something on a robot. Somebody else will log into it and connect to it <laughs> and start driving it around just to mess with nice. people. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But hey, so when selecting the ro- a robot, um, so first off, what's the lowest it can cut, and what's the highest they can cut? Yeah, it really depends on the model, but they they range anywhere from about one and a half inches on the low side up to about 3.7, 3.8 on the top side. And okay. so that's, most that be- models will do right around 2.7, 2.8. The, 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 the general model lineup, the, the non-high cut version and, the, and not the L60, they'll do right around 2.7, 2.8 inches. Okay, because I would think that would what, be the number one thing I would consider it with, with a robot mower, but... Um, if you want to take me through kind of like uh, some of these points you got listed right here. Yeah. Yeah. And and these are the, the points that we really stress that our installers, people that sell the product really pay attention to this because it can make, or it, it can really end up leading to a very successful outcome by, by, by analyzing these points that you see on the screen or a very non-successful outcome because you don't. And so if, if people follow the kind of this general guide that we have here and understand the characteristics of each individual property, the success of that installation is going to be greater. So the first one is obviously the size, the mowable size of your area. Okay. So you could have a, a yard as small as we've got a model that's, that'll maintain as little as 0.1 acre up to five acres and then everything in between. So understanding what that mowable area size is really kind of then filters you down to, okay, with that size of a lawn, we know that this model can do that. This model can do that. This model can do that. Okay. But that's just a really, really high level um, approach. That can't be the one and only thing that you, that you look at. Okay. The, the second thing is, do you want the robot to be fully automatic? That can't. Sorry. Oh, I must've heard an echo. Feedback. Then the second is uh, the ability for the robot to be fully automatic or not. So we have two models in particular that can work manually, and they're designed to work manually. One is the L60. The other one is the L20ZR. Okay, the L60 is fully manual. The L20ZR can either be operated fully manually or 
automated. That's the only robot that we have in the line that could do either or. Okay. And so, so people are manual. That means you're actually driving it or you no, no, it just you just, have you, you have to physically, yeah, you have to physically pick it up and put it in the yard and issue a command for it to start working. That's manual. Okay. And then you have to physically pick it back up and, and put it back, either plug it into the charger or put it back on its dock to charge. The, the okay. manual part is really putting it in the lawn, taking it out of the lawn, and issuing gotcha. the, the command. The automatic one does that itself at the docking station correct. or whatever. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Most people want the automatic because it, you know, they want to set it and forget it kind of a thing. I hate mowing the grass. I mean, that's probably going to cause some people to get a little bit of hair rise on the back of their neck, but I really don't like cutting the grass. And so I really like my automatic lawnmower and I, I'm very happy with it. Um, the next thing is really how many, how many areas of your lawn do you have? And this is really important because if you've got just a, you know, a square shaped lawn where you've maybe got a front yard, a backyard, and maybe a couple side yards, um, that may be a fairly simple approach. But if you've got a lawn that has some odd shapes, that maybe you've got, you know, per, uh, a defined backyard and front yard, but maybe in one of those areas of your yard, you've got some trees that the robot would go behind, maybe a flower bed that's maybe in an out of the reach area. That those types of areas might have to be defined as what we call a virtual area, which is just basically setting a start point for the robot to actually go to that point before it starts working to, to kind of get to and make sure the robot goes into those areas that it might not necessarily reach without a little bit of guidance. Hmm. And so um, the most, most all of the air, the robots that we sell today, are capable of having eight defined areas, whether that be eight physical areas or a combination of physical and virtual areas. Okay. Then the next thing is what's that maximum slope. And this is really important because if you've got a lawn that is really just too steep, the robot may not be able to manage that, the, the bottom part of a, of an incline. Because remember, it's got to get down into the incline, and then it has to have a way to turn around and kind of normalize to be able to climb back out. So if you've got a, a, an incline that's too steep beyond the robot's capability, then you could find that at the very bottom of that slope, and it's more predominant in you know, kind of more moist conditions when there's maybe a little dew on the grass or something like that, to where the robot may start going downhill. It comes up to the end, but it's got inertia and momentum pulling it, and it may not stop in time and could actually find itself outside of its boundary and mm. whatever's on the outside of that boundary, whether it just be a, a ditch or a, a pool or a lake, you know, a cliff, uh, things like that. <laughs> so having, having that understanding of what that maximum incline is, and, and it's really the, the, that area of the lawn that is the max incline, that's the critical point. Cause you may either a need to find a robot that, that it can manage that or B that may be an area that you've just got to zone out and not let the robot go down into. Hmm. Yeah. So that incline is really important. And all of the robots that we, that we have with a couple exceptions can manage up to a 24 degree incline uh, generally without issue. We have one model that can do up to 29. And then we have a model that uh, a couple models that can manage up to 31. And then we have the quad which will, which can manage up to 37 degrees. That's a pretty okay. steep incline. Yeah. 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 Real. Um, yeah. Well, 
we, we could pull a couple of these up real quick. So yeah, let's check out some of these but, models. Yeah. Bro. So, oh, my fault. Yeah. So look at that thing. This is the that, point. like the Batman tumbler or something. Yeah, that's the high cut version. So that that robot was specifically designed where you see the the that the large wheel on the on the back and the two front wheels are actually motorized steering. They're not it's not an all-wheel drive, but the two front wheels actually have mechanical or I'm sorry, um yeah, mechanical aided steering. This robot in particular uh really didn't exist about three years ago. We approached the factory and asked them, hey, can you design us a robot for specifically for St. Augustine grass. And so they sent a technician out here uh, back in 2000 was the first time he came out. So myself and that technician, we went to Jacksonville, Florida, and we actually had a couple of people that volunteered to let us prototype in their lawn. And we just started tweaking and adjusting and fabbing and doing all kinds of things to try and figure out a way to get these, this particular robot that we started with to work properly. And, you know, a little adjusting here, a little adjusting there. Um, they ended up coming up with this very, very good, solid working machine called 4.0 High Cut. And uh, this robot is the one that will do 3 point, I believe it's 3.8 inches on the, on the top end. Um, the cool thing about this is that, you know, to me, it shows the factory really stands behind their product. We brought them an opportunity and a problem that needed a solution and they actually invested the time and the manpower to come up with a solution for that problem, which is that St. Augustine grass. And the technology that they were able to develop out of this with that motorized turning mechanism on that front wheel was kind of a first of its kind. And they've taken the, the knowledge that they gained out of prototyping that and ultimately coming up with this model that they've applied to other models that they sell, as an example, the high cut. So the high cut didn't exist and the, the, the designs and the concepts that they were able to come up with when they built the 4.0 with that motorized front wheel, they were able to apply that to other models. And the, high, uh, the quad robot, that, that steep slope, 37 degree robot is one of those robots. So, so this is the one that's been getting a lot of attention on our, uh, yeah. in the chat and in the social media. So like, hey, I've never seen a robot mower looking like this. This yeah, is, man. It's cool, isn't it? It's really that cool. That good. That, that, is, uh, that is one of the absolute top-selling and most durable and functional robots in the line. That's the now, L250 now, Elite. Did I read that it can you can sync your Bluetooth Bluetooth speaker to it or something like that? You can, you can sync uh, like voice commands to it, like Alexa or Siri or, you know, uh, oh, you, can, okay. you can tell it, hey, robot go mow the grass or hey robot go back to the charging station things like that you can issue commands wow that's so cool that's awesome <laughs> yeah it's awesome does it make any but, audible noises like if you're if the dog is coming up on it can does it like no like a whistle or anything no no nothing but if you do have pets and you know pets are notorious for chasing things and and uh one of the, the cool things about this product is we have what's called an Amico device, which is basically a, a little chip that you'd hang on a dog's collar that you, you pair to the robot. And any, once that's paired, time that, that robot comes in close proximity to that Amico sensor, the robot will, it won't stop, but it'll turn off the blade 
and until it hmm. gets away from the signal and it, it knows it's safe and, and out of the, the, the area That's where that, cool. that chip is. That's, really so, nice. That's incredible. You know, people, yeah. Yeah. We know people down in California, they've, they've put them on their pet turtles. They've people have put them on their, <laughs> their, their awesome. pets collar. There's also some, some people that, you know, they have little kids or, you know, not little babies, but younger kids and they'll, they'll put it on yeah, a lanyard or something. Kids, and, yeah. Yeah. My kids would be the ones trying to grab at it and mess with it more so than animals, probably. Curiosity, yeah. Okay, so what, what, what does this cut at? What What is the height of cut on this uh, model? That's a believe that's a two point eight. Okay. Okay. Can yeah. you get that in bright yellow? No, but you could probably find somebody locally to make a skin for you. That'd be sweet, man. You just wrap it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you got to you got to treat <laughs> it like an Italian. Hey yo. Hit it with the vinyl. <laughs> Yeah, man, that thing looks sweet. It, and that, how fast that they robot, go? Uh, that they go nuts. about. Well, I can tell you, uh, uh, meters per minute they run at about anywhere from thirty to fifty, depending upon the model. Meters per minute. I have no idea how fast that is. Which is moving pretty fast. good. I mean, it's it's fast. about <laughs> as fast. It, it'd be a fast walk for somebody. Okay. So what about this? What about this thing right here? That can cut old Lee's yard. Mm. This that's is a, a that's carbon fiber. That's the uh, that looks hard, man. That's the Pagani wire version. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. We call it the Batmobile. That's what most yeah. people call it. So this this is uh, seems a little bit like uh, what was his name that had the Trans Am? Smoking the Bandit, bro. Yeah, Burt yeah. Reynolds. Yeah, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, sir. Yeah. So that's, that that's. That's the L400, and that robot is – there's two versions of that. One is the basic that'll that'll maintain up to two and a half acres, and then the, the elite – I'm sorry, the deluxe model will maintain up to five. And and I say maintain. That's It's, it's important to, to kind of clarify what I mean by that. So, you know, when you, when you have a robot, whatever robot it is for, you know, within its capacity, say you got a one and a half acre robot, a three quarter acre robot, or in this case, a five acre robot, the, it's always up to that, that amount of max space that it can cover, whatever that happens to be. But then the complexities in the lawn really will start to impact that. So could this robot actually maintain five acres? Absolutely. But that would be in the case where you have a big open field, there's no objects. There's a lot of complexity to the lawn, minimal incline, things like that. So the more that you add those complexities, you start chipping away a little bit at that maximum coverage capability. So if you've got a lot of flower beds that you've had to, you know, that you got to zone out or you've got some steeper inclines, things like that are going to start coming into play and, and reduce that, that, that true coverage capability and start deducting it from that, that upper end that whatever that robot is rated for. So it's important for people to understand that, that a, you know, one and a half acre robot can maintain one and a half acres, but under the right conditions. And so it's kind of a misnomer that, you know, people have this very complex yard and then a robot that theoretically can do that size of a lawn can't keep up with it because those complexities start to play in to the actual so, coverage ability. So if that was the case, would you then need to bump up to a model that, could theoretically control or, or take care of a larger. So if you have, yeah. say you have a complex two acres, would you need to go up to something like, you know, the, this, that model 
that could handle five yeah, acres? There, yeah, there's two ways that you could approach that. You you could you could do a larger robot that's you know that's really oversized, which is one approach. But there's also what's what's called teaming teaming robots together. So the most of the robots in our line can operate under a team environment where you pair two robots to work on one common install, and then we call it the infinity team, where you 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 define a team, both robots are on that team. They build that map I talked about earlier. They start to build that that geo positioning, all those little quadrants or sectors in your yard. They'll do that together, and then they start to share that information, and then they'll they'll do that prioritization, sharing each other's where I've been, where I haven't been, to maximize coverage. So that's that's a way to wow. approach a larger lawn, and it, which actually can actually be a less expensive way to do it as opposed to one large lawnmower that you know robot mower that could cover the whole thing that's pretty impressive. so there, there's multiple ways a couple ways you could approach that so, so what about this tank right here that's, like that's the quad droid yeah that's the quad so that that's the robot that's capable of maintain of the 37 degree inclines hmm. so that's a square shaped robot it's it's a mon i mean it's it's big it's a big robot it can mean quite a large area this robot has uh, all-wheel drive and mechanical steering. So um, the way that a robot approaches a lawn is it can really go any direction at any time. So uh, most robots, they come up to whatever it is, the barrier, the edge of the wire, whatever it happens to be. They stop, they back up, they turn, and they go a different direction. This robot can go any direction at any given time without having to do that backup adjust hmm. and go so it's really does an it omnidirectional it, it does and that's one of the ways that it can maintain oh, that's cool. uh yeah that's one of the ways it maintains the steeper inclines because instead of because it's square instead mm -hmm. of it taking a straight on approach it'll kind of shift and it'll take on more of a rhombus approach to like a, a diamond shaped approach hmm. to to an incline and that gives it that stability because now you've got a wheel on the front and you've got a wheel on the back that are giving it that front and back st stability, but then you've also got the same effect on the sides if you've got you know a property that's a little bit steep. That's pretty. So this is really cool. this this is a one of a kind on it, it, in the whole industry. Um, it's, it's a pretty unique machine, and then this one has instead of a physical bump sensor, the quad has built-in radar sensors to detect objects. Mm. So they they're this this employs the AI. Um, artificial intelligence probably more than any other model right now so as a quick aside does whatever i mean does the um does the company and the the you know the robotics right are they doing other applications of this exact same technology because this this looks like something that i've seen before in my travels um did, are there other applications for uh like the defense industry that a lot of this stuff is based on yeah, the 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 Zacchetti Zacchetti, the company that ma that manufactures the Ambrosio, I don't believe that they're doing anything in that that realm or that industry. They really are focused on um, on the robotic side, really on the robot, the robotic mowers for the homeowner. Yeah, that thing that just looks pretty cool. It is big. Yeah, wow, it, it's a really cool machine. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> What's, what's and you see there how that, oh, that was right cool. There. Did you see how the wheels turned the way? Yeah, that was neat. 
And then there, it didn't actually bump into that object. It, it sees it with that radar technology. Does it have lights? Like if it's mowing at night, can it have like a little lights? So like a little, little party as it's driving around, like flashing lights or anything? <laughs> no. People ask that all the time, but the robot doesn't need light. It, it can work in the yeah. dark. And, and honestly, it would draw attention to it. So that to me, that would be more of a, of a say, here I am, come and look at me or come and take me. Um, yeah. You know, so people ask it all the time and there are manufacturers that do have lights on some of the robots, but you know, we're, we're working on maximum efficiency, maximum runtime. So everything that you add to the equation that's, that's eating that battery is going to reduce that runtime on that robot. And it's going to reduce the efficiency. Sure. Got a question. So if someone, if someone were to walk up I and mean, you may have hit on this already, but if someone were to walk up and pick it, and pick it up do the blades automatically shut off yeah they do they okay. and and there's there's actually consumer safety requirements for that um with all the ambrosia product they've got a few different sensors inside there's an inclinometer there's an accelerometer there's a gyroscope there's a compass and in most cases there's a physical bump so anytime that robot gets lifted if it goes to a certain inclination it's going to consider it a tilt over and it'll stop it and it'll shut the blade off if it completely gets lifted up off the ground same thing if it rolls over same thing it's going to shut off so all of those sensors kind of come into play to detect those sort of things that might have happened to to one prevent injury to to a person but also to prevent damage to your property and you don't want a robot to get stuck on something or you know high center on a tree root that should have been you know, zoned out, but the homeowner didn't have it zoned out. And so once in a while, you'll, you may have an occasion where a robot will kind of climb on a tree root or something like that. Well, you want those to be triggers that cause the robot to stop, to protect it or to protect a person or an object. Have you guys done any comparisons uh, on, on like uh, turf health where you have one of these robot mowers mowing a little bit every day? versus somebody who mows once a week like i mean I, I would be curious to see you know because i think aesthetically like the lawn always looks cut right yeah. and then you don't have to worry about the one-third rule because you're always just taking a little hair off have you guys looked at uh, any kind of comparisons uh, of that we haven't uh because mostly it's been word of mouth that that that's something that is generally noticed uh after a period of time that the homeowners themselves say, Hey, my grass just looks better. It looks healthier. I'm spending less on fertilizer. I don't have to water it as much. And so we haven't done any study like that. I don't know that the manufacturer has, but the consumer, the homeowners that actually have these robots are actually, that's the feedback that they're giving is that they, it's, it's something that they just didn't expect to have yeah, a, not such a nice looking lawn in, in the end. Cause it is much more healthy. I mean, think about it. You're only taken off if it's, if it's, if it's set up properly and scheduled properly, you're only taken off about, you know, an eighth to, to a quarter of an inch every time a blade hits it. So all of that organic matter goes right back around and becomes, becomes food for your grass. And, you know, you're not hauling that grass, the grass clippings away and dumping them in a landfill somewhere yeah. in, a, in a compost pile. You're actually putting them back in the ground where it's going to refeed that lawn. I could see using a robot for my backyard and then I could still enjoy the mow and do all the striping and stuff in my front yard. I could see because the backyard is not as much fun to mow, but if you had something like that where you kind of have a low maintenance, just, you know, rainfall and minimal fertilizer, but it's always getting cut right, you know, 
it could look yeah. a little better. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that mm-hmm. that's a trade off. I mean, if you're if you're that person that just really likes those nice stripes, because uh, you know they look really good. I I I'd be honest, they look really really <laughs> nice. But I guess if you like mowing your grass and you like spending your time doing that, more to you. I'd rather spend my time doing something else. And to be honest, after a little while getting used to it, you kind of start to appreciate the lawn for what it looks like with the robotic mower taking care of it. But it is a trade that if that's something that you you just really love and like, that's something that you at some point you might you might have to give up if you want to run a robotic mower. However, I say that um, knowing that in the not too distant future, there'll be what's called RTK technology which is basically a methodology to allow you to kind of eliminate the wires, the, 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 the guide wire around the property and implement satellite technology that will keep the robot within a defined area, but give you that precision that you can actually make the back and forth cuts, the straight line cuts and actually re reintroduce those lines back, back into the, the capability of robotic mowers. So you mentioned geofences before in terms of the security of the actual device. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a way to go in and set up a geofence for your property as opposed to actually setting out the guide wire? The, in terms of not having the guide wire at all? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the RTK technology will bring that to the, uh, will bring that to full, um, you know, to full circle at some point in time. Um, RTK is basically it's it relies on satellite uh, satellite guidance. So just like um, the robots that have the smart cut technology that they map the property and then they prioritize those sectors where it's been. When you introduce RTK, which is still an emerging technology, it's in many cases it's not yet ready for prime time, but it's designed to be able to use satellites. You know, at least three satellites that it can home in on at any time, and then a fixed point antenna somewhere in proximity to the property. And then that fixed point antenna will give it the precision that it needs to be mm. able to, the, you know, have up to like a one to two centimeter precision where you can then bring those, those, those straight lines back in. But then also it'll, it'll allow you to define that outer edge of the property without the use of a guide wire. Um, hmm. gotcha. I say that that technology is, is on and in the industry today, it's in the market but there's still limitations to what that, you know, where you can actually use an RTK guided system because you've still got places where like my yard. Okay. I live in a, in what's called the forest Ridge neighborhood. I've got trees all around me. It would never work in my lawn, mm-hmm. but you've got areas where you've got wide open properties. Definitely RTK could, could be appropriate in that regard. Gotcha. So it just really, it's, it, it's, it's a part of the offering but it's not necessarily going to be right and and uh, feasible for all all lawns and all installations. Gotcha. And maybe I missed it before, but um, say somebody has a uh, fenceless, you know, dog fence. Right. <laughs> uh, electronic dog fence. Uh, is there any interference, or have you ever noted any interference between, uh, you know, one of the dog collar systems and the robot system? Yeah, once in a while we encounter that. Um, part of part of uh, potential installation, the installer 
actually going on site and doing an assessment of the property? What are those complexities? What are those certain things that might might be present in the in the adjacent area? So it could be a dog fence, but it could also be a neighbor that has you know electronic control for their gate, something like that. So our, we teach our installers how to how to use the robot to tell them if there's anything in the in the general area that's that's putting out a signal that would be in conflict with with the robot. And if so, it's a matter of in the robot itself, you have the ability to change the channel. So there's eight possible channels that the robot that the robot can operate at. If you detect a conflict, you just simply choose an alternate channel where that conflict doesn't exist. And that generally speaking will solve the problem. On occasion, on occasion, we've had instances where where the robot wire crosses maybe or comes in close proximity to fence that the robot wire bleeds over to the dog fence. And in those instances, it generally is resolved. And I, I don't know of a case where this hasn't, hasn't been the solution, where instead of choosing, like, we start at channel one, that's the default. Instead of choosing channel two, we'll go to channel eight at the very, very high end of the spectrum. And if there's a conflict, that's the way that we've been able to overcome that because the the fact that you've got eight different channels, you got a lot of flexibility in choosing a, a completely different um, uh, frequency, frequency that mm-hmm. that to be able to overcome that. Sure, no, that's great because that, it happens. I mean, you could go on a, to a homeowner that maybe has you know another Ambrosio robot nearby that that is operating on channel one. You might have you know a competing robot that's in the proximity that might have a conflicting signal. So. Um, a good technician will know how to test for that and to check for that and then uh, address it as simple channel change. Do you guys have any commercial buyers or have you guys had any application where they've used it for like, you know, sports field, like a practice field management where it doesn't really have to look, you know, TV ready for a college, but it's where they practice. Like, have you guys had any, I don't know, commercial application for these robots yet? Yeah, there's a, a company. One of our customers actually they that is they do uh, sports complexes and facilities like that. And so yes, there are installations out there that that are using this R to to be. Able We've also got some universities have already been incorporating the the Ambrosio product line. Um, so it's becoming more and more the case. Um, so uh, you know, yes, there there are specific. Uh, organizations like that or municipalities, school districts, or colleges that, that have incorporated that and, and beginning to do so more and more. You got some of these, like these companies that have, you know, tons of employees and they have these giant parking lots with all their greenscapes and stuff like, like, you know, they, they have to have, uh, you know, guys come in and cut it and maintain it. But a lot of those are like tight spaces. So maybe those, depending on, I guess, the shape of your green space, you know, the robot could be a good option or perhaps if it's too many obstacles, you'd still need a crew to go out there and cut it. Maybe, um, you know, like a bank or something or a grocery store that has like all those green areas. I don't know. Yeah. But like on that, Bill, my, my concern would be ahead. like, I was going to say like, I'm thinking about like my work parking lot. So like there's a couple areas where, you know, it'd have to go up, up over a curb, like mow that area and then like down a curb, go across the park. Oh, yeah, like little another, and stuff, yeah. So like another area, then mow that area. That'd be my only thought with like a commercial or residential is, is, you know, you'd have a lot of, kind dis- of it's, not, it's not just an open field. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah that's true. Mm-hmm. The, the challenges are you've got to have power somewhere that the robot 
you know, the, the charging station can, can be located at. And then the robot's got to be able to, 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 to move from point A to point B. So there are installations where we're crossing driveways. I mean, it, it's not uncommon for a homeowner to have a driveway or a yeah. sidewalk or something that they've got to cross over. Like and there's ways firm. that you can do that. Yeah. And, and in that okay. case, you may, you know, you may find you, that you have to build a little ramp on that pathway that the robot takes to get, you know, from one side <laughs> that would to be the awesome other. to see the little yeah. like a little, uh, wheelchair <laughs> ramp. <laughs> a little ramp you built for it. Yeah. It goes up over a bridge. Yeah. yeah. We, we actually have, there's, there's, there's a robot <laughs> actually here in, uh, in the state of Washington, there's a, there's, there is a, an install that they built a bridge over this. I, I can't remember what's underneath it, but it's like a little, like a little water feature in the, and they did that very thing. They built a bridge over it. The robot awesome. just goes across the bridge. But, you know, to get across a driveway or a sidewalk, there's a couple ways to do it. Um, you know, you can use ex existing expansion joints to be able to cross, you know, put the wires got to get over and back. And there has to be enough yeah. distance between the out and the return wire for the robot to be able to travel through. But if you can, if you have a expansion joints, that's one way to do it. Um, if you've got, you know, the people that are more experienced might understand or know how to take and use PVC to go underneath, um, you know, mm -hmm. dig down a little bit to get at the, at the concrete level, the, under, the underside concrete level and use a pipe to maybe um, hammer through and just to make a conduit to the other side. There's times where we've had people that'll actually use a, saw, a concrete cutter and cut a groove in the, in the path. And, that's mm -hmm. how they would cross over to the other side. So there's a lot of ways that you can tackle that. Cool. Somebody was asking uh, about the blade life. Uh, what, uh, how often do the blades need to get sharpened or, you know, what's the kind of wear and tear? I would imagine it's, it's fairly low since you're only taking off a little bit at a time, but if it's out there every day, it's also mown quite a bit. Yeah. The couple things that impact the blade, the, the blade life are objects. Okay. So if you've got rocks in your yard as an example, or large, large branches or things like that, the, the blades that, that are on robotic lawnmowers are now we've got two styles, as I mentioned earlier, we've got a, a four point star shaped blade, but the, the thickness of that steel is, you know, it's not really thick. You're talking about less than an eighth of an inch thick. Okay. And it's, it's a, it's a pretty flexible, steel. So if you hit a hard object with that, a rock or something that, that, you know, is going to come in good, good solid contact, it's going to ding that blade. It may slightly bend it. It may cause a little, you know, a little notch in it, something like that. We typically recommend that at least once a season that the robot be inspected and changed if necessary. Um, and then, but I say at least once a season, but when the robot first goes into use in a lawn, the homeowner should check it periodically just to see to kind of gauge how how's this blade doing. You know, it, it, did I wear out in the first four months? If that's the case, I'd be looking for reasons why that robot is is having a challenge and why it's you know why the blade is wearing out so fast. But typically speaking, we've seen blades on these robots that'll last the life of the robot. Periodically, you want to you may want to take it off and sharpen it. That is a that is cool. Um, but we recommend at least once a year to check it and if necessary, replace it. I think it just looks like a hot rod. Yeah. It's a pretty cool machine. Yeah. That, and I was looking, I was looking at that one cause I just can't get away from the design. I think it's so sick. That's like a 33 inch deck. Yeah. It's a, it's a big robot. Inches, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a big one. And there's actually three blades underneath oh. as opposed to one large. And they overlap a little bit, so you get that full cutting width. And that one's designed to work like that'll work 11 hours on a charge. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it's a workhorse. It's designed really for those big properties. So how much do one of these bad boys cost? Uh, retail, you're looking at uh, about 24 to 25 grand. But I mean, you're also looking at somebody like a municipality or that where, you know, they're already spending money for groundskeeping and things like that, that are going to, you know, you start to have a residual payback when you eliminate the, the human labor in a lot of cases and you can replace it with, with a robot. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, definitely I can see the benefits. Uh, yeah, that's oh, awesome. yeah. I mean, if you're, a, if you're a park system or, um, you know, something where like, you know, we're like, like where my kids play soccer, right. Um, you're not, you're not worried about striping. You're not worried about all this other stuff. You're just worried yeah. about getting the grass cut, keeping it yep. short and, you know, kind of going out. You got four acres of multiple soccer fields and we just want to keep it maintained. Yeah, I, I could see a uh, sports complex, something mm -hmm. like that, a municipal sports complex, go ahead, going ahead and investing the money in, you know, robotic mowing as opposed to, you know, worrying about the upkeep and like, okay, we're we going to bring the landscapers out. When are they going to come yeah. cut it and doing all of those things? So something like that, I could I could absolutely see the cost savings for something like this. We have uh, more and more interest from landscapers um, that, are, you know, the people that are already doing that for people, lawn care maintenance, where, you know, the cost of labor is is getting so high, the, the cost of the equipment, um, the fuel, the repairs, you know, all that starts to factor in. And then you add in regulation where, you know, government agencies like California, um, you know, after I think January of 20. 24 you can't buy a lawnmower a string trimmer a backpack blower or anything with a gas-powered engine it has to be battery operated and we're seeing that legislated more and more and more so as that happens and and that becomes more common there's there's every day there's greater interest in how how do we as like a landscape company a maintenance company incorporate robotics into the, our equation of our business because of all these pressures that we're feeling in that industry and so Right now, that's honestly where we're seeing a significant amount of the interest in the product and the growth in the product is people that, you know, three, four years ago just really didn't see a need for robotic mowers are now realizing that, hey, you know, we really need to start taking a look. And it's a good thing because, you know, the ecology is be you're you're saving on the environment. Um, you're you're creating less uh, your labor reduces or or it actually frees up to have your your crew to go out and do things like you know, do the, the edge trimming, do the hedge trimming, do things like that to where you've got the robot that's out there doing the grass. And you know that that's always getting done, frees up your people to do other, other tasks or to expand some of those other ancillary things that you might do. So that one was 25 grand. Uh, do you have others? I thought, I thought I saw some that were much less than that. Are those the ones that you <laughs> yeah. don't have the, those are the non-automatic ones or the manual ones or so what's the uh, range? Uh, which one? Which one's like under ten grand? Uh, pretty much all of them except that one. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean it's a big one, and that that's the L four hundred is is the most expensive that's robot. Like the that luxury we have. edition. Yeah, but but remember, I said earlier too that that it may be more more economical and in a better approach to have more than one robot working on a property as opposed to one large right, one. Yeah. That's so what's cool. the so what's like the expected lifetime of one of these robots? And then if you do have, you know, if you get one and you have issues or you know, if there's maintenance or upkeep, what does yeah. that look like? What's the service ongoing if we're if you're to get one of these? Yeah. So I could tell you that the Ambrosio product has been imported. The, the product manufactured by Zacchetti. Uh, today it's it's Ambrosio, but that product's been in the U.S. for about 15 years, and there's still robots that are that old that are out there working. Okay. And people, you know, they 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 might have to do like replace a blade on it once in a while. A sensor might wear out or something like that. Um, but you know, they're fairly long lasting, and you know, I would expect that you know you're paying a lot of money for a robot. My robot is is a little right at four years now, and I haven't had any issues with it. Um, doesn't mean that the problems can't arise, but I I don't see any reason why my robot won't last another two, three, four years as long as I you know I maintain it and I service it as I should. In terms of warranty, all of the product, all of the Ambrosia robots come with a standard bumper to bumper two year warranty. So that's for any 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 component on that robot that fails because of uh, either a manufacturer defect or you know a premature failure of an electronic part or something like that, two years out of the box from the date that the robot went into service. They're the What we call the 4.0, the next series, the 4.0 and the 4.36, those robots have uh, the ability to add an additional four years for a total of six as long as a specific maintenance protocol is followed every single year at least once per year. And it has to be documented through the factory's um, uh, what we call the, the service app. So that's that a, that's annual service. If they would send it into you guys to get it worked on or yeah, what, what kind of typically it'd be through their dealer. They would bring it okay. to their servicing dealer to, to have that work performed. And then that servicing dealer is going to check all the components on it. They're going to clean everything. They're going to, you know, if there's a bearing that needs to be serviced and lubricated annually, they're going to do those things that the blade needs to be replaced, that kind of stuff. They're going to, they're going to make sure the, the robot is working up to optimal condition. And part of that, that process of doing the winter service, and, and this I would prescribe for all the models, is to run through a component check, which the the technicians app has the ability to go through and actually test every single electronic component within the robot. So we can tell on a blade motor, as an example, that we know that it should be operating at this particular max speed. It should be drawing approximately this much in, in amperage. And if you're outside of that realm or you're below that realm, you know that you've got a potential problem. While that robot is then in the shop, if it's under warranty, replace the part. And so okay. that that's how we want it to be approached. And so it's like a like an um, oil change and a twenty point inspection once yeah, a year. Kind of like that. Robot. Yeah, I, I mean that makes sense. You know, especially if you're going to put down that much money just to make sure it's because yeah, because I I wouldn't know the first thing to try to fix something like that. You know, so that it's good to know you guys have you know something like that where yeah you can do that even even if say you don't do it every year but you, you want to get it checked out. That's that's nice to know you guys have that service. So yeah, so I I have a. Uh, 
dealer that we have um, that just here today I, I was corresponding with him, and he he that very thing happened. He's got a blade motor. So blade motor? No, it's a wheel motor. So he tested the wheel motors, and he noticed one of the wheel motors is actually spiking on the on the amperage draw for that particular motor as compared to to the other and compared to the norms robot doesn't seem to be malfunctioning it's still the wheel still turns at its optimal uh speeds both forward and backwards the robot itself is performing you know as we would want it to perform but it's it's an anomaly and so that anomaly is likely a precursor to a failure on that on that blade motor or i'm sorry on that wheel motor so instead of waiting and for that that failure to actually happen i told the guy just replace that replace that motor under warranty and that way you something you prevent it from becoming a failure in the middle of the growing right. season when you want that robot to be working yeah nice very cool yeah. stuff yeah and that issue was found in the winter service that he was performing on that robot Pretty cool. Okay. Right on. Yeah, this this has been fascinating. I mean, yes. I love listening to all this stuff. <laughs> this is super. You know, cool. I got to be honest. I have to be honest. I had no idea what to expect from this, and I'm thinking, gosh, how am I going to talk for an hour and a half? Oh, <laughs> no, 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 we've been we've been cranking for an hour and a half. So yeah, there, there you we get are. A lot of good questions and a lot of good questions. Anything that was on my mind that we may or may not cover, I feel like we covered it. <laughs> like yeah, that absolutely, was, uh, yeah, yeah, no that doubt. Was, that was pretty thorough, but um, yeah, that was that was really awesome. Um, uh, real quick, just to switch it, switch it up real quick, Bill. You want to l- talk about uh, next week? What we got going on next week? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what do we have? We we got another seed company coming on next week, so we're hmm. we're uh, sitting down with, with Burger Seed. I I haven't hadn't heard of them before, but after looking up looking into it a little bit. They're out of Oregon, I think is where they do all their, all their growing or that's where their sod farms are. That's right. Um, yeah. Something like Rye that. Grass. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, that'll be kind of cool to kind of see some of their blends and talk a little bit about their seed since we've had, you know, a few other companies on, get another perspective. Um, and there might be, there might be a giveaway too. I don't know if we want to say, are we saying? Yeah. They're, they're going to give away a lot of seeds. So you might want to be here next week. <laughs> I, the most seed we've ever had. The given most, away on this the show most amount of seed will be dropped. It's going to be f- <laughs> overflowing with yeah. what? Five 50 so, pound bags of seed. Five. Yeah. Ooh, five 50 pound bags. That's a lot of money right there. And I think, I have think they, have they said what type it will be? Yeah. So actually, um, so they, let me read this real quick. I know I saw him in the chat earlier. Um, he said uh, they have an extreme green is what they call it in an integrity um, or their tried and true uh, turf type uh, fescue varieties. And they have a third variety called top shelf. Um, but they also have two top new shelf. varieties that they are um, bringing in and they actually want our help in the live chat viewers help on naming these next two varieties. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh man. That's cool. Uh, KOTG blend. So yeah. We're so, going to get uh, to name a grass seed. This is amazing. So, I love so it. We, yeah. We, we need some uh, good ideas out there. That, that would be fun to get some, some ideas. I wonder if we should ask them, you know, cause sometimes they have like certain themes or, or anything like that. If he has any thoughts, is it just like random or, or, does you want? I don't know. This is this will be fun. This will be cool. Tune in next week to find yeah. out, right? Yeah, yeah. You're thinking of cool names. Yeah, 
that's 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 our guy right there from uh is it Berger or Burger? I don't know, but I don't know. We'll have to ask him. I don't know. <laughs> right, right there they are. We might want to nail that down. <laughs> but yeah, Stacy, yeah, you killed awesome. it tonight, man. That was yes, that was awesome, you, though, man. That was that was great. I love learning about that. I could sit here and look at these all night um and and, and learn about them. Uh so where can we find Ambrosio? I know you guys are on Instagram. Your yep. website, and then how do we yeah. find? How do you find a dealer if, if you're interested? So AmbrosioRobot.com. Um, there is a find a look. There's a find a dealer link mm-hmm. on AmbrosioRobot.com, and then what that does is it'll basically bring up a map, and then you kind of drill down into your area, and and wherever there's a pinpoint on the map, there's a there's a dealer in that area. Awesome. And the dealer is the same person who kind of would help you set it up too. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Correct. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. No. This this was awesome. Um, we, um, yeah, our our first robotic guest, and um, yeah, you knocked it out of the park, man. Absolutely. What? Well, yeah. I sure appreciate the opportunity, you guys. I really do. No. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah that was really really was good. Cool. Um, this was a fun episode. Yeah, Stacy, if you want to stick around for a second, um, we're probably going to wrap her up here on live, but um, if you just want to hang out for a minute. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. Yeah, man. Thanks, everyone. This was awesome. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Go Hawks. The birds going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs>